Good morning, I'm Steve, I'm one of the leaders in church and I want to welcome you to this morning's service. Last year I had such an amazing time in South Africa. We saw, Sue and I, that's my wife, and I saw God do some amazing things and we were looking forward to coming again to that, going again to that. We had been planning it in the winter in the, and in the spring and we were looking forward to going for three weeks in April. But then it didn't happen. At the end of April, I was looking forward to my father's 90th birthday and family coming from around the world to see him. But it didn't happen in quite the same way. I was looking forward to in early May, spend your weekends with some dear friends, but it didn't happen. For me, in lockdown, work and church has been really busy and I've had nothing to look forward to. And so at some time, some moments, life seemed a bit boring and I felt a bit down. What was it all about? As I lost the things that I was hoping for, I lost energy in, in the present moment. What about you? Have you felt some of that? For some of you in lockdown, it has been a really good time. And yet for most of you, I think, particularly at the start, lock, at lockdown, you have felt some of those negative emotions, perhaps even much more severe than I have. Mentally, at times, it has been difficult, if we're honest, for all of us. We'd been looking forward to something and then it didn't happen. We'd been looking forward to that holiday or that time with friends or going out to the pub or whatever it was. You'd been looking forward to fill in the blank, but it didn't happen. And as you lost those things that you hoped for, there was a sense of loss of energy in your, in your moment, in your presence perhaps boredom, feeling down. These feelings are down to loss of hope and a loss of sense of meaning. Imagine for a moment that I um, had two really boring jobs and I got one person to do a really boring job for 10k. I, I signed a contract and said at the end of the year I will give you 10k if you do this job for me. Imagine if I had another person and I signed a contract and I gave them a million pounds to do this job but I'd only give it at the end. After a couple of weeks the first person who was going to get 10k would be pretty bored and would give up or maybe give up. But the second person would still be happy, whistling along, doing the job in that boredom, but because they were thinking about that million pounds that they were going to get at the end of that year. Viktor Frankl, a Jewish doctor in the Second World War, survived the Nazi concentration camp. And he did a study on the people that survived that concentration camp. It wasn't the people that were healthiest or the fittest or the strongest or the smartest. It wasn't the people that had a short-term hope that said in a few months' time we will get out because those hopes were dashed. But it was the people who had meaning 
in their suffering, in their moment, who had a hope from outside of their circumstances that brought meaning into the present moment. Human beings need hope to survive. And yet in our crisis moment of this lockdown and the ongoing situation, our hopes have been delayed, stripped away. And at times we've realised that the things we live for are not very reliable. Derek spoke last week about how we might describe this year as the year of fear and, and talked about renaming it as the year of hope. Fear and hope are very different. We might define hope as an ex expectation of the future good or fear as an expectation of future bad. They are very different. But the Christian message brings hope in a way that like no other. The Christian hope is not just a wish, something that we would like, some positive thinking. It is based on other things. We might define the Christian hope as an absolute certainty, an absolute hope that is based on God and his promises. So we're doing a series called Living in Hope. It's based on Paul's letters to the Thessalonians. They were going through some really hard times and Paul writes to them to bring hope to them. He's talking about Jesus coming again. And hope surely is about, the Christian hope is surely about Jesus coming again and is about the future. But it also brings things into the present. It brings joy and peace and energy into our present situation. So let's begin to look at what Paul writes to the Thessalonians about. And I think we can find hope that we need in life. Paul had been travelling through Turkey and then northern Greece, telling people about the good news of Jesus Christ. And it seemed, excuse me, in almost every city he faced opposition. And yet he told them about Jesus. And he came to Thessalonica, told them about the gospel of Jesus Christ. They became Christians. But as usual, persecution came along and Paul, Silas and Timothy had to leave in a rush. They were so concerned about the Thessalonians that eventually they sent Timothy to find out how they'd been getting on. And Timothy comes back with this glowing report about how the Thessalonians love Paul, they love Silas and Timothy, they love Jesus and they're following after Jesus despite the persecution. But Timothy also comes back with a couple of rumours. One is the rumour that Paul is actually telling people about Jesus because of money. And the second is that Paul actually doesn't really care about the Thessalonians that's why he left so quickly. So let's read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Paul writes, You know, brothers and sisters, that our visit to you was not without results. 
We had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know. But with the help of our God, we dared tell you the gospel in the face of strong opposition. For the appeal we make does not spring from error or impure motives, nor are we trying to trick you. On the contrary, we speak as those approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel. We're not trying to please people but God who tests our hearts. You know we never used flattery, nor did we put on a mask to cover up greed. God is our witness. We were not looking for praise from people, nor from you, nor anyone else. Even though as apostles of Christ we could have asserted our authority, Instead, we were like young children among you. Just as a nursing mother cares for her children, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Surely you remember, brothers and sisters, our toil and hardship. We worked night and day in order not to be a burden to anyone while we preached the gospel of God to you. You are our witnesses, and so is God of how holy, righteous and blameless we were among you who believed. For you know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his children, encouraging comforting and urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his glory and kingdom. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God which you heard from us you accepted it not as a human word but as it actually is the word of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. When one considers the persecution that Paul went through, he clearly wasn't doing it for the money, nor the fun of it, was he? Paul was convinced in the truth of the message, and the message was good news. In this COVID-19 crisis, faced with death, fear, worry, what is life about? What hope can we have I think we have a certain hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Having recently been running an Alpha course, it had reminded me of the, the good evidence that there is for faith in Jesus. Take Paul, for example, just briefly. Paul continues to tell the gospel in Thessalonia. Why did he do it? Was it because he made it up? Verse 2 told us, we had previously suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi, as you know, but with the help of our God, we dared to tell you the gospel in the face of strong opposition. Suffering in city after city, that was Paul's norm. And yet he dares to continue. It clearly wasn't something he did for money. It clearly wasn't something he had just made up. I think it was because he believed that it was true. But was he deceived? Suffering and going to prison as often he did, he would have had plenty of time in those lockdown times to think. Was he deceived? He could have so he would have been tempted to give up so many times, yet he doesn't because 
He was very close to those events. Perhaps only three years after the death and the resurrection of Jesus, he was in Jerusalem. He knew the disciples, the early disciples and apostles personally and many other early believers. And yet that wasn't the only reason why he, Paul, believed in Jesus. It was because he had met Jesus personally on the Damascus Road. He had been this Pharisee, this religious person that had gone round persecuting Christians in every single way he possibly could. And then suddenly he changes. He becomes someone who shares that gospel and nothing can stop him. It was that encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road that changed Paul. And he was continued to, on, to have ongoing encounters with Jesus. There's a lovely bit in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 that we've not read, but it talks about as that report comes back that the Thessalonians are, are still believing. Paul talks about his joy in the presence of God. An encounter in the presence of God. Paul knew Jesus. And God is doing the same things today. Jesus is changing lives. I recently read one of the Alpha books, The God Who Changes Lives. It talks about marriages being saved and addictions. It talks about marriages and people on addiction being totally changed. There's one man called um, David Kennedy and he'd been an alcoholic for about 20 years. He'd been an awful father and an awful husband, trying to change but could not change. He has a medical diagnosis that he, his liver is in real trouble. He needs to change. He goes to an alpha meeting. Nicky Gumbel prays for him. And immediately he stops drinking. He doesn't want to drink anymore. When he has a little bit of drink later on, he's sick. And what's really funny about it is his wife is really irritated by that. She writes, I was even quite appalled at first that David had stopped drinking for God. Yet for 20 years, the children and I weren't good enough to, for him to stop for. Then suddenly I realised that what had happened to us was a miracle, and I was grateful for it. By then, and, th and then she talks about how she becomes a Christian, and then David was really loved, by then David was really loving and a fantastic husband. He also suddenly started fathering. Throughout our marriage, I had to be both father and mother because David wasn't in a fit state to discipline them. He would either discipline them completely or let them do anything he caused a lot of arguments and unhappiness christianity has changed our lives completely jesus is alive today and so we have this certain hope that we can hold on to based on the on God and his promises. But what is the hope that we have as Christians? Freedom from all trouble and harm? Certainly wasn't true of Paul, it wasn't true of the Thessalonians and it's not true of us in our present crisis. 
I think the Christian hope is four things. The first thing is the return of Jesus Christ. At the end of every chapter in Thessalonians, it talks about that. And we're going to look at that more in the coming weeks. The second thing is in the Christian life. We believe that what we do matters. There is a reward for those that do good. The third thing is that this moment is not a, a wasted moment, but is a moment that can be transformation. It really matters that our characters are changed in the here and now. There's a benefit for that and there's a benefit for the future. We need to consider this lockdown or this semi-lockdown as we're now in, not as a prison sentence, but as it were, that we're in a cocoon. We're like in between the caterpillar and the butterfly. It's a moment that can be a place of transformation of our characters. That's the third reason. The fourth thing that we can have hope in the here and the now is that Jesus has promised to be with us, to come alongside us, to give us peace and strength and joy. But I think also the Christian hope is that we have the presence of God with us to change things also. See, Paul writes that they dared to tell the gospel with the help of his God. Whilst the Christian hope is mainly something about the future, it brings an energy and a strength into the present moment. You know, we as Christians are not on a road to nowhere. Dark and in the dark, muddling along. We believe that Jesus is the truth, the way, the truth and the life. Let me illustrate this from you, for you from my past situation. Many years ago, my brother and I, with some friends, did a cycling tour across the Pyrenees. Madness, I know. But at some point, we got into Andorra, 2,400 metres high. And we decided that we weren't going to go on the main road into Spain. There was this, on this map that we had, there was a minor road that went out through the back streets and then came into Spain where we wanted to go. So we set off on this route. It was really hot. We were really tired. And what was worse, this tarmac track became a farm track. And we began to wonder if we'd made the right decision. Should we turn back? We were hot, tired, time was ticking on. It was late afternoon. Would we get to where we want to go? There was nothing about. And to make matters worse, suddenly this, this track, this farm track, was washed away by the river. And we stopped and thought, what do we do? Do we turn back? But then suddenly somebody came the other way. A British person with a bicycle came back the other way and our hearts were lifted. There was suddenly, in that moment, there was a, a strength and energy that came back into our weary bodies that said we can keep going forward. There was hope that we could get somewhere and would not have to turn back. 
And the Christian gospel is exactly like that. Jesus has come back from the dead, risen the dead, and gives us hope in our current moment that we are not on a road to nowhere, but we have somewhere to go. And so how does this affect us in the here and now? We have a hope as Christians that we need to share. We're called to carry hope. We're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ about a God who changes lives. That's the first thing we are called to do, to dare to do it, when sometimes we just, you know, it's hard, isn't it? And I think... The Christian life sometimes is difficult and there is a call for us to persevere. Carrying hope means that we need to keep on. We need to persevere. We need to keep going. In this life we will face knocks and difficulties. Some of them our own doing, some of them not. But we need to keep serving Jesus. I have been greatly helped by this quote that Brené Brown has made popular of Theodore Roosevelt. It is not the critic who counts, nor the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Staying in the game, in the arena, carrying with perseverance will win the day. Carrying hope means loving the true and certain hope of the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ to me speaks of the reality of love. The ultimate reality is a God who is love. We are made in his image. The alternative is the secular view. The, the, the ultimate reality is not that we because of a random cosmic explosion and blind time and chance that humanity has been created and that you and I stand in this place, perhaps loving people but actually because we're just a bunch of chemicals or programmed by our environment, that our love is not a choice but merely how we are. It's not a facade but because... The ultimate reality is about a God who has died and rose again and because a God of love has made us, a personal God. We are real people with real choices and we are made in his image and we therefore have an incredible value. It's not dependent on whether we're black or white, 
what gender we have or sexual orientation. We all have value and are called to be loved. That's what love is. You're placing value on something at personal cost. And God has done that. He has declared that everyone is, has value and should be loved. And Paul talks about that in the reading that I gave, that he came not just with the gospel, but he shared his whole life. Christianity is meant to be relational. We're meant to do it together, not on our own. And we're called to love people. We need fathers and mothers in life. And all of us can be fathers and mothers who show a real love, not giving up on people. Carrying hope means persevering. Carrying hope means loving. But carrying hope means praying. The true and certain hope of the resurrection of Jesus Christ means there is a spirit realm that can affect deeply this realm. And so prayer is the bridge. Prayer is the means which, which we can bring the spiritual realm into this realm and affect it deeply. Paul knew that. He knew that he had a God who could change the present. When he was in the prison in Philippi, after being whipped, he and Silas began to praise God. And as they began to do that, God moved. There was an earthquake and they were set free from their prison. A God who changes things. But also there is opposition. Not everything that happens in life is as God wants it. So Paul writes at the end of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you, certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but... Satan blocked us, blocked our way. Not everything happens as God wants. There is opposition and we are in a battle. We need to pray. So Paul writes it in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. He writes, night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. And then he has a lovely prayer as well. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as as does for you. And he goes on. I love the thought that Corrie ten Boom brings when she's talking about prayer. Very simple. That there is nothing too small for his love and nothing too big for his power. So what does this hope make to our lives? What difference does it make? Where does it land for you and I today? We have a sure and certain hope. We are on the winning side. I want to encourage you, even if you have had disappointments and disappointments are not from God, I want you to keep in the faith. Keep trusting God. Keep in the arena. Dare. To still be in the arena, in the game. And as the one Thessalonians, Paul wrote about them, he praised them for their faith that was produced, their work that was produced by faith, their labour that was prompted by love and their endurance that was inspired by the hope in Jesus Christ. I think it would be lovely, it would be amazing 
if we realise the hope that we have in us. The Bible tells us that we have Christ in us. That's the Spirit of God in us. The hope of glory. We carry the hope of God in our hearts. And we're called not just to be containers, but as I've said, carriers. People on the move to make a change difference in this world. We're called to share the good news of Jesus Christ. We're called to bring real, tangible love into people's lives and love everyone. And we're called to keep praying because prayer changes things. Go out and carry hope and make this year not a year of fear but a year of hope.